The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. This is Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. And this is City Quick Connect podcast legislative edition. Scott, welcome back. I am so glad you feel better. Thank you, Casey. I am really excited to be back. Uh, you know, it was touch and go there for a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm fine, you know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If you'd have followed my uh, my diagnosis and instructions, I feel like you would have gotten better in a shorter amount of time. Probably so. You know, every time you go to the doctors, you should just ask for a Z-Pack. Just by, by, by rote common, you know, place sort of habit. Just ask for a Z-Pack and you'll be fine. Just kind of so you have one just in case you need to follow your colleague's advice and go to a doctor and get a Z-Pack because, well, I, in fact, you did need one. I did go, but uh, I was misdiagnosed. I was undiagnosed. You were undiagnosed. So, they didn't have yeah. time for you. They took one look at you and said, uh, get him out of here. He's got I, didn't ha- I did not have the COVID, though. So that's well, good. Well, that's good. Because that of the uh, because the vaxxed and stacked status that I have with regards right. to well the speaking of booster, stacked, aren't you at your age group? Aren't you what? eligible for another booster? <clears throat> yes, I am. Okay. Next month, I'll uh, will be my what five month, four month booster period completed. So perfect. <laughs> um, Scott, enough with the banter. Let's move yes. on to the real meat of the podcast, the legislative information for this past week. Um, Several things that I want to talk about today. Um, First, let's just do a quick acknowledgement, whatever you want to call it, of Senate Finance Committee finished the budget. Today is Thursday, and they finished it last night. I want to say, I don't know, it was like 730, 8 o'clock? Yeah, 730, something like that, yeah. They recessed until 6, came back about 6.30, 6.40, and then they finished it up about 7, 7.30. So um, they also did it in two days, like Ways and Means, the House Ways and Means Committee. Yeah. Um, and tell tell our listeners, oh, I forgot. While, I mean, I, I know that I skipped the banter. Now I'm going back, but this is not banter. Right. This is important. Yeah. Um, I know of another listener who we both love and adore. Who's that? Michelle Wilm. Ah, former administrative assistant here at the Municipal Association, longtime veteran. Shout out to Michelle. How about that? Thanks, Michelle, for listening. She said she just feels like she's sitting around talking to us. And I said, that's the biggest compliment that I've gotten. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So, Scott, talk a little bit about Senate Finance Committee budget. The the main thing I think on everybody's mind is this 18.1% increase in the health care. Yeah. So uh, as you said, Senate finance came in uh, Tuesday afternoon. They went through provisos and then Wednesday they came in and did some more provisos. Yesterday they came in, did some more provisos and then did the money or I'm sorry, they did the money subcommittee reports yesterday and then um, and then finished up last night. We, of course, were very interested in trying to get uh, the General Assembly to put some funds towards uh, covering the increase in the uh, South Carolina health insurance premium increase of 18.1% that cities and towns who are on the state health plan are going to have to absorb in their upcoming budgets. 
Um, you know, the number is the number, as we've talked about before. PIBA has said, look, the 18.1% increase is just going to cover uh, just the natural market increases that have occurred over the last couple of years. And PIBA held off on those increases in an effort, I think, probably to help our budgets over the last couple of years because of COVID and, and uh, the, the uncertainty with regard to the economy. But now that bill has come due. Uh, the state, the, the House and the Senate now have covered, of course, the state uh, employers' 18.1% uh, increase. They put money in the budget to cover their portion. And they also, interestingly, put money into the budget to cover the school's uh, increase. But there was none funded for cities and counties and, and, and towns to help them cover it. So uh, city officials, uh, city council members, mayors, as a part of your budget preparations, you need to go ahead and plan on that 18.1% increase. Now, the, the good news is uh, that increase won't go into effect until January of next year. So you're only going to have to fund it for half of your fiscal year budget if you're on a July 1 fiscal year. Uh, but still, it's a, it's a pretty big chunk of money. I know I was talking to a city manager yesterday and in his small city, that was going to be about an eight mil property tax increase if that's how they choose to Good fund it. Lord. Now, this is, of course, Casey, you know, the irony is this is in the face of the General Assembly having two billion dollars in new money to spend. Uh, they're going to spend the Senate plan is to spend uh, is to cut. Uh, in, income tax rates with a billion dollars right. of that. Um, the other billion is going to go to these tax refunds that will be sent out. But, you know, for my wife and me, we filed jointly and uh, together that that refund is going to be a hundred dollars. Now, there are some tax filers who uh, who are going to get a good bit more than that. But it seems to me that a uh, hundred dollars going to a lot of income taxpayers across the state is probably not as significant as the property tax increase that they'll have to pay for potentially starting July one or next year for for property tax increases and beyond right. because you know obviously uh, health insurance premiums are going to continue to go up. Right. So cities will be faced with either uh, potentially cutting some services. You know, maybe they've got enough revenues right now to to cover that increase, but uh, at some point um, they're going to have to they're going to have to make deci hard decisions about whether or not we continue forward with the full services that we're providing or raise revenues somehow. So, so you're saying that it's nine percent beginning January of twenty three, and then another nine percent in June no, no, or no, July of twenty three? No, 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 no. It's eighteen point one percent. So. If if your premium on on December the thirty first of this year is a hundred dollars, on January the first of this year, that premium is going to go up to one hundred eighteen dollars and ten cents. So if you're a, it just depends on your fiscal year. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. right. So yeah, if no, you're a if you're a July one fiscal year, then it's half. Right. Yeah. So so you would you wouldn't have to pay that one hundred eighteen dollar premium until January the first. Okay. But now, if you're a if you're a calendar year fiscal year, then obviously you're going to have to pay that. Well, right, it's all everybody, coming at one time. Everybody, yeah, everybody's paying the hundred eighteen dollar premium. Um, 
starting January the 1st. And, yeah, and it just depends forward. on how you do it. Right. Okay. So also, also, Scott, this week, so in the Dome tomorrow, we'll have a full recap of what the Senate Finance Committee um, is proposing to the full Senate for debate. You well, need to say it, something else. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't, I got kind of went down that tangent. We made the request of a number of Senate Finance Committee members to raise this issue right. in Senate Finance in an effort to try and find some funding to help cities and towns cover this premium increase. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, we didn't ex we didn't necessarily expect it was going to, but certainly we were obligated to make the effort. And we talked to a number of senators who said, yes, we we understand where you are. We 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 appreciate your position. But they did not, even when we spoke to them, they did not give us a whole lot of uh, hope that, uh, that 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 we would get any funding. And of course, that's uh, that's what it turned out to be. So the Senate Finance Committee adopts that budget. They print it. It sits on the desk. And what Senator Massey said, the uh, Senator Shane Massey, Republican from Edgefield, he's the Senate Majority Leader. He proposed on the floor of the House this week. I mean, floor of the Senate. I'm sorry, this week that next week they deal with um, an election bill, which I'm going to get to in a second because I want you to go over all the amendments they put in and sub a House election bill. That would be next Wednesday. And then the week after that, they would begin um, the Senate budget debate. Because, Scott, there are, in fact, only four weeks left in the regular session um, of 2022, which is yes. pretty, I mean, at, I feel like that's, you know, a lifetime away, but I also feel like that it's um, tomorrow. So I'm so looking forward to it. That's 12 legislative days, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. If my math is correct. Um, um, so I mentioned that election bill. Yeah. And that was in subcommittee this week. And senators in that judiciary sub made several changes to that that directly affects um, municipalities. So lay it on me. Yeah, House Bill 4919 is a, one of a couple of election reform bills that have been circulating through the General Assembly. And 4919 is the one that has has had the most progress, of course, got out of the House. It's been in the Senate. Um, Senator Massey and the Senate set that bill for special order next week, which gives it, you know, priority over everything else. Well, Scott, first of all, which was amazing, they recalled it. Yeah. Um, they got unanimous consent, which means nobody objected. They right. recalled the bill before it even had a subcommittee hearing. And they had the, then that motion went through on the floor. So that bill was on special order before it even passed out of a subcommittee. Well, that's, that's, that's like right. some Avengers stuff right there. It, it had, it had, you know, at least I, I know the Senate judiciary, a Senate judiciary subcommittee has taken it up at least once. It was on the schedule for Tuesday for another subcommittee hearing. Right. But it being put on special order before it had even been expelled to the the full Judiciary Committee was oh, really, that's magic, man. really that magic. interesting. I mean, it, it, they essentially just skipped over. They skipped over a, a big step in the process and uh, and brought it straight to the floor. That's right. Um, but interestingly, they went forward with the subcommittee meeting on Tuesday, as you just right. mentioned, and uh, and change the bill. I change, mean, make yeah. changes to the bill that's already on the calendar for special order next Tuesday. 
Right. I tell you what, you know, we've we've already we've talked about it before, but but the but the number of special order bills and 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 the and the way in which this one in particular got put up, set up for special order has just been really interesting this year. It really has. And you know, I think I think it was um former mayor Senator Kevin Johnson um, former mayor of Manning mm-hmm. and president of the Municipal Association that made that point that he said that it like it was unprecedented. I mean, historical almost the amount of special order slots. And it was almost Scott, it was almost every other week, if not every yeah. week, there was yeah. a new bill. And it had I mean, we've done certificate of need and hospitals. We've done um, medical cannabis, medical cannabis. We've Convention done states. I mean, we've done unemployment. We've done convention of state. You you name it, soup to nuts, man. Yeah, it, it, not to mention all of the special order bills that have been in the House, which I don't ever recall there being maybe more than one or two over the years. Anyway, yeah, Representative Ann Thayer, the chairman of the Rules Committee, she's a Republican from Anderson. She really had her work cut out for her this session. Yeah, the Rules Committee really. Uh, I mean, they really were they actually did some stuff. <laughs> came into its own. That's right. So. So back to 4919. Um, so it gets set for special order. They went ahead with a, a subcommittee meeting, a, a judiciary subcommittee meeting on Tuesday afternoon after it was spe- set for special order where they took up a number of amendments. And it was really a very. Um, I mean, it was a it was a good discussion between uh, Senator Ronnie Saab from Williamsburg, Senator Brad Hutto from Orangeburg. Uh, the chairman of the subcommittee, Chip Campson, who's from from Isle of Palms, and then of course Senator Massey was on that subcommittee, and then uh, Judiciary Chairman Luke Rankin was sit- he's not on that subcommittee, but he was sitting in on it on the right. meeting. But they took up a number of amendments to that bill. The one that is most important to us, though, is a change in the certification period for municipal elections. So right. in- currently in law, after a, a, a municipal election is held on a Tuesday, okay? And then current law says that, that that election has to be certified by the close of business on that next Thursday within 48 hours. So that does not provide a lot of time, particularly for challenges uh, that the challengers to the election or even incumbents, I guess, could launch a challenge. Uh, for them to gather information and make a case uh, or prepare a case to go in front of a municipal election commission to say, hey, you know, I'm going to protest the election based on these things. It doesn't give a whole lot of time. And uh, but for statewide elections, and I think even for county elections, that that uh, certification period is 10 days. Okay, so they amended that bill to conform to that 10 day uh, certification period. Now, they had that conversation in the context of allowing election officials to, quote, audit the election, to make sure that the election was uh, free of any sort of errors or any sort of challenges that might be presented. And because, the you know, obviously 48 hours doesn't give you enough time to go back and audit records and look at the voting machines and the, and the right. tabulations and all that kind of thing. Uh, so that that was the context in which they did it. But in my thinking, though, it would it would certainly help um, all of the candidates if they wanted to lodge a protest. And I know we don't we we don't want elections to be protested. But in the event that there is a legitimate reason to protest one, then you would have more 
time to prepare. And also, it helps the municipal election commissions better prepare for the certification to make sure that all of the things that they need to know and to review to, to certify an election have been accomplished in in enough time and in enough detail to be able to say confidently, hey, um, we're, we're going to go, we can go forward with this, uh, with this certification. Right. So that, that was the big thing that was changed on 4919. Of course, uh, Howard Knapp, who is the new executive director of the South Carolina Election Commission, right. uh, said, said again uh, that he really wants to see a lot of reforms made to municipal election commissions to the point of abolishing them because of all of the... the uh, I think he uh, used the word fraud, Scott. Fraud that occurs in, um, in local elections. He characterized them as a local elections. He didn't necessarily call them out by municipal, say that right. it was municipal uh, elections that were fraudulent. But uh, as we saw in a- another election bill, 3444, municipal election commissions were, were abolished entirely. Um, so uh, we can only imply from, uh, from that that he may, uh, maybe he's talking about, exclusively talking about cities, city municipal election commissions. And of course, you know, we as, a, as the Municipal Association have long encouraged, particularly smaller cities and towns, to right. work with their county officials, to work with their county election folks, uh, to either uh, share responsibility for the conduct of, and certification of elections, or as is allowed in state law, to hand that function over entirely to the election officials, the professionals at the county level. Uh, but, you know, that that should be a council decision. That should be a local uh, right. city or town council's decision to make. Not it, it should not be mandated or dictated by the General Assembly because that's a local that's a local issue. Agreed. Um, that was that was a great explanation, Scott, and very much needed um, because of the, you know, the debate on the House floor with thirty four forty four. <clears throat> The, the previous election bill that had been passed and amended this session by the House. I think that was, I think we're in a very good place with 4919. Don't you agree? Yeah, 4919, I think, is a much better product than 3444, if for no other reason than the fact that 4919 does not seek to abolish municipal election commissions. So, <laughs> right, right, you know. right. So um, a bill that, that did not receive any action this week, but y'all did some really good meeting with stakeholders and... Um, legislative staff and to try to work out a kind of a solution. Will you just give everybody a little taste of the behind the scenes work? I mean, don't give, don't give away everything. (laughs) Don't play all of our cards here, but if you could just tell everybody, this is the stuff you really don't see in the report. You don't hear about. um, But I do want people to know that it's going on on their behalf. So, so there are two bills that are dealing with um, uh, PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder being allowed to, to, to uh, as, a, as, a, as a reason to file a workers' comp claim by public safety officials, firefighters and uh, police officers in particular. Uh, the Senate bill's number is 94. The House bill's number is 39, 39, I believe. The House has, pa- the House passed its bill, 39, 39, I don't know, sometime this session, and it's been over in the Senate. The Senate uh, recently amended that House bill 
to conform with the language in the Senate bill. And we have been a part of the discussions and the negotiations on both of those bills. Uh, but we we liked the Senate's language better. So the fact that the Senate amended the House version with the Senate language improves the House bill. But there were still some there's still some issues that we want. We needed to work through and particularly Senator Michael Johnson from York County. Uh, he is interested in this in this bill. And there's there's some some work that we needed to do with the stakeholders. So Joni Nickel and I on our staff met with the stakeholders and with Senator Johnson on Tuesday morning. No, yesterday morning, rather uh, Wednesday morning. And we continued to work through some of those issues and felt really feel really good about uh, that that meeting and the uh, the the agreement that we came to with all of the stakeholders, which are, of course, uh, the uh, the trial attorneys, it's the uh, firefighters, it's the police officers, counties, uh, the public safety officials, the county folks. Yeah, so we're all and and you know it's <laughs> our position as the municipal association and our counterparts at the county association. We are we we have to hold we have we have two interests in this. First is the 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 health of public safety officials, right? Right. The First mental and foremost. Health, yeah, the, the mental health of public safety officials, firefighters and police officers who who are potentially suffering P, from PTSD. But we also are representing the interests of the cities and the counties as employers so that we have to make sure that uh, any sort of workers, comp, any sort of change to the workers compensation system is fair to to both parties, to to both interests. And I think uh, after some some more talk yesterday, uh, an amendment is going to be offered to that bill that we uh, we think will is fair to everybody, and hopefully that will get that will get moving forward. And of course, I don't know if folks remember, but we've been negotiating on both of those bills the last last session and this session. Yeah, it's been a while, um, and it's been it's been a really good it's been a good um, I think it's been a good negotiation for everybody. Scott, what else? Um, what else do we need to talk about? Is that well, about it? I mean, I feel like we've covered this this week, and then moving forward, we've got you know the House has got a pretty packed schedule. Um, they're going to be trying to get you know Senate bills done that are on their calendar on the floor, um, and the Senate still we we've still got a budget to finish up in the next four weeks. Yeah. Um, we got we still and we still have ARP bills. We've got the ARP bill on the floor. Well, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about that because we didn't mention that the ARP bills uh, were in Senate Finance Subcommittee last week. And then the full Senate Finance Committee took them, took the took it up this week, took it up on Tuesday. So if you'll remember uh, last week, the Senate Finance Subcommittee for ARP amended the House bill that had already passed out of the House to again conform with the Senate's version of the ARP bill. And if you'll remember everybody, the, the, the key differences, the key difference uh, between those two bills was $100 million and how that was spent. The House proposed to send that $100, $100 million of the, of the state's ARP money to the Office of Resilience. The Senate proposed to send it to the Department of Commerce. And so, in subcommittee last week, and then the finance committee adopted that that bill on Tuesday. They 
uh, the Senate amended the House's bill to send that $100 million to the Department of Commerce. The other key difference that's important to us was in how the $800 million that's going to go to, um, is it 800 or 400? It's 800 to the Rural Infrastructure Authority. I think it's 800. 800 million. That's right. I like the bigger number. I like your number better. Yeah, so Um, do I. 800 million. um, The Senate's version sends 60% of that funding or makes it eligible to large water and sewer systems, which is 30,000 taps or more. And then 40% of that 800 million would be dedicated to systems that are smaller than that or have fewer taps than 30,000. So that's the big difference. Uh, the House version uh, sent that, did that money uh, in, t- in increments of $10 million, I think, and made it competitive. It's very similar, but uh, that, that's, a key, that's a key difference. So that'll go on to the floor. When's the, when are they going to take the ARP bills up? I guess they'll do that at the same time with the budget on the floor. They, I or guess next so. Week? They didn't. It, it's on the calendar, really just sad. like the rest of them. So I don't know if they'll do that right before they do the budget, or if yeah. they'll, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's that's what happened with ARP. Um, speaking of ARP, everybody needs to be, make sure that they understand that the first reporting deadline is April 30. That's in uh, a couple of weeks. So they need people need to be prepared. Need to be studying how they're going to make that report. And uh, if you have questions, reach out to uh, Erica Wright on our staff since she is the ARP queen. Absolutely. Gosh, she knows more than um, people in Washington, D.C. know about ARP. Well, they they do. the Our, our congressional delegation staff, they do. Uh, they do consult with her pretty closely on some of this 100%. stuff. 100%. They linked yeah. our website for crying out loud. So we're happy about that. We're happy to help them. Absolutely. Very happy. Um, so as the last we the, the last four weeks of session, Scott, I think just this bears saying we have to be vigilant. A lot of people love to um, amend bills with, with and strike and insert bills with bills that have or, or that are not passing. They like to amend bills that have already passed. They take bills that have already passed and amend it with bills that are going nowhere. Um, provisos in the budget on the floor. Um, we we are super extra um, obsessive compulsive about yeah. about floor debate and committee work at this point. We are all along, but right now it just becomes it's the season, man. It's it's yeah. like crossover season. This is the amendment season, the amending. I got a, I got a text from a, a good friend yesterday saying, "Hey, uh, we're we're hearing that maybe uh, this bill is going to get bobtailed onto another bill." Are, are are y'all hearing the same or are you watching this? And we, you know, I said, we haven't heard that, but certainly it right. would be, it would be attempted. Of course, in the house, I think, and you, you disagree with me a little bit about this, but since the house adopted its new germaneness rule, uh-huh. I think, I think it's a little bit more difficult over there in particular to bobtail bills as uh, as as we fear I, scott i think that remains to be seen i think well, it hasn't I been think tested gonna, you're right right yeah. i yeah. think we're gonna i think we're gonna test it out in the next couple of weeks especially you know the the four of us we we watch that unanimous consent request period very in the house very yeah. very closely because 
we're recalling bills like the wild west. I mean, yeah. they're bringing bills out of committee just right and left. And it doesn't yeah. mean it. And everybody's like, yeah, I just need to recall. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I'm sorry, what bill was that? What does that do again? Yeah. And they're just like, well, you know, it's just all uh, this bill does. It doesn't. Yeah. All this bill does. It's just a technicality and it wipes everything off the map. So I, that's <laughs> kind of what we, we are very, we, we are very sensitive. Um, to to amendments and to unanimous consent requests to recall bills. And that is something that we will watch very, very closely. Um, and then probably I'll go out um, on Sunny Die and enjoy an adult beverage or two. Yes, absolutely. Well, that is a Thursday night and it is beer keller night. So that's well, well done. I know where we're, we're all going. I know where you'll down, be. Roll down the swamp cabbage and drink some fabulous German beers. I know where you will be. From the beer keller. Well, and you know, we're Casey, you, you say we're sensitive. I like to say we're paranoid. We have <laughs> right. to be paranoid. <laughs> right. Well, I right. mean, we're not like emotionally sensitive or anything, but we no, we no. are paranoid, we are vigilant, no. we are I mean, it's just we're we're a little bit on edge. The next four weeks are gonna be a little touch and go, but uh That's we're right. gonna make it. We're gonna do right. it, just like all the other ones, right? Indeed. Um, all right, everybody, I've, I've been criticized for my sign off. So I'm going to just I just want everybody to know, especially Vicky, because she really is involved with our content here. I just I, I want you to know that I'm going to work on a, a constant sign off. I'm going to study um, particularly Ron Burgundy um, in San Diego and kind of see his methods and see what he would do. Um Maybe Veronica Corningstone as well with her journalistic prowess. Thankfully, um, I'm going to really work on that. But th thankfully, you don't have a teleprompter that you're reading I off don't, of. I don't. I don't. But I mean, I could always create that. Really give our producer a big scare. Um, I do want everybody to stay safe. Um, I want everybody to come back to us next week. We've got some great content planned over the next year for the podcast um, that includes us, that includes other folks in our building um, in, in different departments to, to learn about other things that the Municipal Association does, not just our fabulous legislative team. Stay safe, wear your mask, get back, I don't know, wash your hands, do something. Everybody take care and we'll see you back here next week. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.